looks terrific. Sunny, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Highs in the lower 80s, lows in the lower 60s. Looking ahead to next week, Monday looks pretty good. Partly cloudy, a high around uh, 82 degrees, as I said. Uh, for Tuesday, partly sunny. Uh, and then looks like Wednesday after uh, tomorrow is the next chance of rain, Wednesday of next week. So uh, right now we're right around 85 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Coming up next, it's Real Life Real Estate Investing with Vena Jones-Cox. And I believe it's the last uh, program of the month. I, I think it's question and answer week. So Vena is in traffic right now. She'll be here as soon as possible. And when she gets here, we'll be answering, or she'll be answering some, I won't be answering any questions. She'll be answering some questions about uh, whatever you have uh, on your mind as it relates to real estate investing. So uh, that will come up in uh, just a few moments here as Vina makes her way in. In the meantime, let's go ahead and listen to uh, a little music here. Okay, let's do that. Let's listen to Bunny Berrigan and his orchestra. <laughs> The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week... We're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And wow, it's the end of the month again. It just seems it seems like the end of the month just came at the beginning of the month. But the end of the month means question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, which means any questions that you have about buying, financing, managing, repairing, owning, renting, selling, whatever, real estate Today is your day to ask your questions and get them answered live here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. By the way, if you're listening to us on our podcast on iTunes and you're wondering how you too could participate in these live question and answer days, 
You can listen to us live on Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the web at wmkvfm.org. That's wmkvfm.org. Or, of course, if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area, you can just tune your radio to WMKV at 5 o'clock Eastern Time every Wednesday. The show is all about you today. So any questions that you have, you can give us a call at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area or 877-772-9658 if you're outside Cincinnati. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Now, of those two options, phone or email, phone is the safer one to make sure that you actually get your question answered by the end of the program. Because uh, sometimes after I leave here, I get emails to askvina.com that I don't know got hung up out there in the Internet. So the, the ether grabbed them and kept them until after the show. So... If you got an important question, give us a call, 877-772-9658. Uh, we received a call before, yes, sorry, an email before the show today from Anthony in Cincinnati, who says, first, I have a few questions for you. First, how would you tell me to build my buyers list during the week besides just going to RIA meetings? In other words, uh, he's a wholesaler and he's trying to find folks who are interested in buying the kind of investment real estate that he sells and wants to know, other than going to your association meeting, what are some good ways to build your buyer's list? He says, I've gotten into, I gotten into the rut of just waiting for the meetings to network and build my list, but that hasn't happened in meetings are only twice a month. Uh, yeah, well, of course, uh, a real meeting is a great place to build your buyer's list if you're a wholesaler. But as you say, they happen twice a month. And actually, in most places, Anthony, they only happen once a month. So other ways to build your buyer's list. Well, one of my favorite things to do is if I'm driving around looking at properties or I'm driving up the street and there's a single family home that has contractors in it, uh, dumpster outside of it, clearly a renovation going on, in other words. I like to jump out of the car and find out who bought that property because that is obviously a rehab deal. Many times it is the owner who's uh, the new owner who's on site doing the renovation. And I simply get their information and ask them if I can call them at a convenient time to find out what it is they're looking for so that I can sell it to them. Almost never get turned down for that, strangely enough. Another way is, of course, to look for the I buy houses, ads, bandit signs, etc. and call those folks. Now, the difference there, of course, is that visiting properties under rehab and calling signs is a way of getting buyers in kind of onesies and twosies as opposed to a meeting where you might meet, rather, there might be 20 or 25 serious buyers in the room. There's also the various subgroup meetings, depending on what part of the country you live in. A lot of associations have what's called subgroup meetings and these or special interest group meetings. And those meetings tend to be smaller and in many ways more intimate and less scary to attendees. And of course, at those meetings, you have much more of a chance to network. Um, Cincinnati Rea has got like, I don't know, five or six subgroups that meet throughout the month that you could attend. And you won't see 100 people there, but you'll see 10 to 30 people there. So when we come back, Anthony, I will answer the rest of your questions. And we will also get to Penny in North Carolina, who is waiting on line one. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate. It's question and answer week. Give us a call at 877 772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292- 7342. Let's check on traffic real quick. We have no accidents, no disabled cars. We have backups on northbound 75 at 74 and through Paddock and Glendale Milford to 275. Northbound 71 slows up around Smith, up through Red Bank, and again off and on through Pfeiffer. Forecast tonight, clear skies, low of 65 degrees, sunny tomorrow with a high around 82. There is a 50% chance of a pop-up shower or thunderstorm late in the day tomorrow into tomorrow night. 
possibly even a lingering shower Friday morning, but otherwise Friday partly cloudy with a high of 82. Saturday, Sunday, and the holiday Monday all look great, sunny skies and highs in the 80s. WMKV puts its best musical foot forward tonight. At 8 p.m. after Mystery Playhouse, it's Hit Parade Highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, don't miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony, followed at 11 by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week, which means whatever you want to ask, by golly. I mean, within certain limits, some set by the FCC, some set by me personally, some set by common sense. Any questions you have about real estate? Let's put it that way. Our open game, fair game here today, uh, 877-772-9658. If you'd like to call them in or askvina at gmail.com to send an email, let's go ahead and go to Penny on line one in North Carolina. Penny, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Hi, Penny. I have a question for you about purchasing a house for cash versus a subject to deal. Mm -hmm. Um, The house, um, the after repair value is about $110,000. And the guy wants sixty-eight cash minimum. That would pay off his mortgage. Um, he's going away tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to put this deal together tonight. Uh-huh. Um, but he's got he's got the the balance on his mortgage. Like I said, is sixty-eight. He would would be willing to go with the subject too, I believe. And. Um, but I think I might need to sweeten the pot a little bit in order to get it subject to, and I would like to buy it that way rather than using cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I go about formulating an offer to him, uh, cash versus subject to? The cash I know how to, you know, the, you know, I know what the repairs are and all that kind of thing, but I can't quite wrap my head around, should I offer him $1,000 extra? Should I, you know, I'm just not sure where to go with that. Well, Penny, how has your conversation with him gone thus far? It's uh, he, he owes 68 is that what you're telling me? Yes. And, uh-huh. and you're paying him 68 Right. So there's absolutely no difference to him whether <laughs> whether right. that goes straight to the bank or, or goes right. uh, one, one way or another. He's not getting that money because he, he, right. he just, you know, owes what right. you want to pay for it. And you're thinking that if you could give him a little bit extra that he might be willing to go for the subject too. My first approach to him would mm-hmm. would probably be to say, you know, I've been I've been working these numbers and working the repair costs and because of what I have to spend here or because of the way the market is or whatever, the way this would really work for me is to take over your mortgage. And yeah. since, since you're not doing anything, <laughs> 68 is all going to the bank, no matter whether we do it this way or the other way, um, you know, I, th- that's what I need to do. And yeah. I doubt he's going to say, oh, well, no, I would need more money if if I were right. going to do that. Uh, because, okay. uh, you know, it's just it's six of one and a half dozen of the other really for him. And uh, mm-hmm. my, my one kind of thing pinging in the back of my head here. Mm-hmm. Is that um, as he is going away, yeah. there is a there is a fair to middling chance mm-hmm. that he's going to have creditors who mm-hmm. are going to uh, still want to be paid despite the fact that he's not there to pay them. Okay, and as a result, that he might end up declaring bankruptcy. Okay, and of course, if he declares bankruptcy, you know what the bank is going to do with that mortgage, even though you have the payments all. Yeah. So uh, the fact that you have offered him cash makes me believe that you have the cash available. Mm-hmm. What I would say is be prepared for the contingency that mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay that loan off to avoid right. a, to avoid his foreclosure on it because he doesn't pay his creditors. Okay. Okay. Now the other thing is you said you said uh, this has to be done by tomorrow. Have you yeah. have you had time to do the full blown title search and No. Okay. Well, clearly that needs to be done. And yeah. if if the way this needs to be done is that he signs a deed tomorrow and a and a deal that says, you know, you're gonna take over his loan under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh the thing is you need to check and make sure that the loan balance and the uh pa- most importantly the payments and interest rate are what he has reported to you. 
Right, right. I've had a number of situations over the years where sellers had adjustable rate loans and they didn't know it because they'd only mm-hmm. owned the property for two years and it hadn't adjusted yet. Or right. um, they, they thought they knew it had gone up, but they thought their taxes had gone up. It's like they didn't remember that's, what they had signed. That's what he indicated to us, that it has fluctuated a bit, but it was due to escrows changing. And what I found odd about what he said, he said his escrow went down. Well, taxes and insurance have gone up here, not down. Um, yeah, and, it, so, it, and it's an FHA loan. Um, is it, I mean... It's, do they do adjustable rate FHA? No, it's most likely it's most likely fixed rate if it's an FHA okay. loan. And and okay. what what could have gone down? I don't know how he's loaned how long he's owned the property, but what well, could have gone down is his PMI. Okay. Because okay. that that actually supposedly goes away after a set number of years. Although sometimes you have to request that it go away. Now the 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 interesting thing there is are the payments out of reach because what I usually find with FHA loans is when you add in the hundred and thirteen dollars a month PMI, all of a sudden the loan doesn't make sense. I don't think he would have PMI. He's got a lot of equity. Okay. Okay. He's got loads of equity, so I I, I don't think PMI is playing into it at all. Yeah, I think I think I would sort of I would sort of close this subject to further review. <laughs> okay. Because I know I know you're under the gun here, time wise. Well, He's going, to, he's going to, he's signing over, he's given his father a power of attorney. Okay. My goal, I told him my goal this evening would be to put several scenarios in front of you so that you can think about what you want to do, tell your father what you want to do, and we will execute things uh-huh. once, you know, once he's gone. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, and there's there's some there's some extra documentation you're going to want to do with that subject, too, and this would be true of any deal like this. Mm-hmm. And the the reason for this is the the same reason, for the same reason that people will get a loan and then three years later they don't remember what their terms are. Mm-hmm. They also will sell you a property subject to and then three years later not remember what they did. Right. I, I mean, they, they vaguely remember something about you taking for the payments, but they also remember you saying that you were going to pay them back in six months, which of course you never said. Right. <laughs> so you need you need about uh, three more pieces of documentation. Um, one is it would be great if you could get a power of attorney from him post uh, to, 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 that would only take effect post the closing uh-huh. to do things like get payoffs from his bank and deal with like if there was an insurance settlement that you could deal with that in his stead and so on now again that it's a durable power of attorney but wouldn't take effect until after the closing happened and of course Mm -hmm. it's a limited power of attorney it only applies to that property itself this the the second thing is get get a blank signed uh, payoff request from him okay and the third thing is you should really uh, write out for him what what is happening here and what the possible downsides are, so that he can sign okay. that disclosure. Right, right. I'm not really sure the the father can sign that disclosure in his name and still have mm-hmm. you safe. So it needs right. to say it needs to say your loan probably has a due on sale clause. If uh, the bank uh, the bank could call that due, if that happens, here's what will happen. Um, another okay. another thing that needs to say is that if you declare bankruptcy, mm-hmm. the bank will foreclose on the property, and I will stop making your payments until that is resolved. Okay. Because you don't want to get stuck in a position where you're making the payments every month. Maybe you have a lease option tenant in there who's expecting you to sell, and at the right, same right. time, the bank is going to take it away from both you and the lease option tenant. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a few other things that that uh, are common to subject to. That you, messy. you, huh? It's real messy to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just it's just a way for you to. Uh, he's going to be distracted by other things. He's very distracted by other things. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> that we just don't want to get into. But goodness gracious. You know, I'm just looking, you know, I don't want to use my cash, but, you know, I also don't want to put myself in a precarious position, you know. Well, but it doesn't doesn't sound like it's worth it to me. Bottom line here is if you've got the cash to buy it now, Mm -hmm. if if he declares bankruptcy and the bank forecloses, you can pay the house off. Right. If, uh, you know, the the bank calls the loan due, which, as you probably know, is really, really rare, uh, you could just pay it off. Yeah. So you're not you're not as precarious as you would be did you not actually have the money to close the deal in the first place. Okay. 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 Well, 
great tips. Thank you, because I certainly didn't think about bankruptcy and all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I'll, uh, I know you're on our Facebook fan page, so I mm-hmm. will, I will make a list on that fan page tonight of the of the three or four documents that you're going to need to have to to safely close this. Okay. Okay. And Wonderful. If you can just if you can just get his if you can just get his agreement that it's going to be subject to, mm-hmm. then by all okay. means. Okay. Super. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Vina. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for your call, Penny. All right. All right. Bye-bye now. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week, which means any questions you have, including, I don't know, a deal you're in the middle of that you need some feedback on, you can call us up and ask at 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Finishing up with Anthony's question from Cincinnati, which we started a little while ago, but then Penny was on the line, and I thought we should probably get to her. He says, for a person who has never done a deal and has no established buyer's list, what is a realistic time frame to be able to do their first deal, and what are the variables that can change it? Um, wow, you know, Anthony, that's a, that's a question that, that, that many have asked and, and few have really been able to answer because um, I have seen people do their first wholesale deal within a matter of weeks of getting started, and I have also seen people who start and they seem to want to do it and they seem to be doing some things to do it and somehow they never ever ever do a deal and that was strangely enough it was actually the topic of the radio show e-letter that i sent out yesterday was what what is it that makes some people succeed and some people not succeed you know basically the question is are are you doing the things that need to be done in your case to find deals and find buyers are you spending the time that you have in the highest leveraged way? Because I, I know people will say, I worked 15 hours on my wholesale business this week and I didn't get anywhere. And I say, well, okay, what did you do for 15 hours? Well, I spent time designing my logo and then I had to search the I had to search the state site to make sure that my LLC name that I wanted wasn't taken. And I, I surfed the MLS, you know, looking to see if there were any good deals there. And uh, I, I put together this great filing system and uh, I took I took this guy out to lunch who I thought might be a good buyer, but he turned out not to be. In your case, Anthony, finding the deals and finding the buyers is the only thing that you should be spending time on. Um, I think I think really the variables that change what somebody is able to do are how good are their basic skills and and for what you're trying to do that means can you evaluate properties? Can you evaluate repair costs? Um, can you negotiate deals and can you put them under contract and you have the contracts to assign them with and really whether they get let fear get in the way or not because folks let the fact that this is new and scary stop them from spending their time in ways that are actually likely to yield deals because they're scared of deals I think that's probably the two biggest uh, things that that make a difference about you know how long it takes someone to do things Anthony's third question, if I have two hours to work my business Monday morning before I go to my job, what are the most profitable activities I can do? My objective is to wholesale deals to pay off some personal debt. Uh, Anthony, I really hope you are not telling me that all the time you have total is two hours to work your business before mon- before work on Monday morning, like two hours a week. I hope that's not what you're telling me because it is going to be extremely challenging to do what needs to be done to do a wholesale deal in two hours a week. For instance, if you're working from six to eight Monday morning, how are you going to see houses? How are you going to how are you going to get back to sellers who are really motivated in any kind of reasonable time frame? If I call you on Tuesday, does that mean I don't get a call back until Monday morning at six a.m. when I'm not going to be able to answer it? Or I could answer it, but I'm not going to. Um, if you're telling me something different with the one I'm reading here, that's good. And if that is the case, then uh, again, everything you're focusing on in your particular business should be finding deals and finding buyers, finding deals and finding buyers. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or the phone numbers, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. 
Programming on WMKV is supported by the Knowles of Oxford. The Knowles of Oxford is now building new spacious cottages in their development Redbud Trace on campus. The Knowles offers an active retirement with all the benefits of a college town. More information about the new Redbud Trace cottages and the entire Knowles campus is available at 513-524-7990. That's 513-524-7990. Mark your calendars. WMKV Radio is excited to present a free event for the public to learn more about holistic health alternatives. It's the 2010 Holistic Health Fair, Friday, June 18th from noon to 5 p.m. at Maple Knoll Village Auditorium. Dr. Kathy Rosenbaum, host of Your Holistic Health on WMKV, and her guests, psychologist Winifred Beam Kessler, Dr. Liz Wolford, and licensed massage therapist Lorraine Rhodes, will conduct a panel discussion and recorded radio show on holistic wellness. Audience members can ask questions and learn more about healthy living choices. It's free and open to the public and a great chance for seniors and their family members to discover mind-body-spirit solutions to health in a day of unique dialogue, education, and activities. Vendors at the event will include any lab tests now, Maple Knoll Village and Maple Knoll Home Health Care. The Maple Knoll Village Auditorium will be open from 12 noon to 5 p.m. with a special radio studio audience taping approximately 1 p.m. To learn more about how your business can be involved as a vendor or to learn about the event, call WMKV at 513-782-2427. That's 782-2427. The WMKV Holistic Health Fair, June 18th at Maple Knoll Village. Quick check on traffic. Two accidents right now. Duck Creek at Eastwood and Race at West Fork. And uh, delays, usual spots, maybe a little heavier than usual. Eastbound 275 between Montgomery and Ward's Corner. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's your public radio nation, nationwide source for the best real estate information answers and topics and today it's answers because it's question and answer week as we do the last wednesday of every month you can call in any question that you have about specific deals or general strategies at 877-772-9658 or at uh, you can email us at askvina at gmail.com just to uh, straighten out a little issue we've, we've been having once again, um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, this is not a webinar. This is this is not, and this is not like a, a, a podcast specifically made for uh, podcasts. This is an actual radio show. If you were in Cincinnati, you could actually listen to us on your FM dial, and you don't have to call the station to listen to the show. We keep getting people who think it's a webinar, and they call in the phone number thinking, okay, this is how I listen. That's not how you listen. The way you listen is wmkvfm.org on Wednesdays from 5 to 6 Eastern time. Uh, you can also, of course, download our podcast from iTunes, but uh, you don't you don't actually have to call here to listen to the show, and it is a show. It is not a webinar so um let's see here uh what other questions do we have on our little email thing here okay uh rui roy rui (laughs) sends in this question what is the best way to find pre-foreclosure properties where can i get the most updated pre-foreclosure list and the answer is it's actually really easy, Rui, to find pre-foreclosure properties. As a matter of fact, that's probably the easiest type of potential motivated seller to find. Uh, pre-foreclosures, uh, in other words, that's the, that's the time between the time that the uh, seller has stopped making their payment and the time that the actual trustee or sheriff's auction happens, uh, involve a lawsuit, okay? Uh, at some point in time, the bank goes to court and says, we've got this mortgage securing this note. The note's not being paid. We want to auction off the property for payment. Uh, the, the the actual process there is a little different from state to state. But once that suit is filed, it becomes a matter of public record. And it's called different things in different places. Uh, notice of default, Liz Pendens, foreclosure filing. 
in most places, unless you live in like a very small county that doesn't have online records yet, there's a website where you can go and in your county, there's a website where you can go and look at foreclosure filings. Now, in some of the places where uh, that's not as easy as what I just said, like you would have to go to the courthouse to get the information. Uh, there are various services, as you mentioned, that will, quote, sell you a list. They will, they will, in theory, sell you the list of properties in your area. Now, here is the problem I have run across with those services over and over again. They are getting the data online, which means if your county is not online or the information is not easily accessible online, what are they selling you exactly? That's not a question that I have ever been able to answer by comparing the lists that they are selling with any records that are in the courthouse. I'll give you an example. Uh, We've got three counties here right across the river in northern Kentucky that are at various stages in their getting stuff online process from not at all to, oh, yeah, it's online, but the information is very sparse. And by the way, you have to pay 20 cents a minute to even log into our site. And I've had some students down there who, in an attempt to bypass the going to the courthouse process, have bought the lists in northern Kentucky. And what they're getting is a list of like 17 properties each month, which is a whole lot less properties than are actually in pre-foreclosure. And as near as I can tell, the way that uh, these places that are that are selling the lists are getting the lists is when the actual in in uh, northern Kentucky it's uh, not a, it's not a sheriff's notice it's a something else uh, when those notices are published like in the local newspaper then this uh, this uh, this the seller of foreclosure lists is getting them and sending them to the students and the thing is that's like six weeks before the foreclosure sale that's way too late they're not making any additional effort to like send somebody to the courthouse to get the information because that would be ridiculous in a in a in a small county you know how many people are really going to buy that what's it going to cost you to go get that list if you are a um, national company if you can't get it easily online you're not going to be able to easily buy it either and what that leaves you with is a trip to the courthouse once a week so uh Hopefully that uh, that that answers that question because your next question was, do you recommend specific companies that sell the list, or should I not waste my time and go straight to the courthouse? Uh, again, we can't recommend any specific companies here on Real Life Real Estate because we are on public radio and you just can't do that. Uh, I wouldn't waste my time because unless it is a local company that is at, is sending someone to the courthouse weekly to get that information, my experience is you're wasting your money with any of the uh, national big companies that sell foreclosure lists. If you need to go to the courthouse, you go to the courthouse and you go to the courthouse in whatever area you are most interested in buying in. Uh, Foreclosures are typically filed by county. So if you are in Hamilton County, but what you want to do is buy in Butler County, go to the Butler County Courthouse. Uh, let's see. Um, what other questions do we have here on askvina at gmail.com? Uh, let's see. That is not a question. That is a thing from one of my guests. Here is one from Blackberry from T-Mobile. There's no name at the bottom. Uh, oh, it looks like it looks like it might be Kalanji, perhaps. Uh, Vina, I just discovered your podcast, Invaluable Information. I was listening to your podcast regarding hard money as a former lease op as a former LO and former flipper what's an LO I understand loan officer I bet I understand all too well the meaning of skin in the game when attempting to acquire hard money however in your opinion would many lenders consider a seller carried second or private mortgage in lieu of skin in the game okay I get the question now Kalanji um, <clears throat> what you're asking is, as long as that hard money lender is in first position and is at the loan to value that he wants, which, as we heard on that show, is these days it's, you know, they, they don't want to be in it for more than maybe 60 to 65 cents on the dollar in many cases. Would it be OK with them if the balance of that was made up with a seller second or a uh, private second? And the answer is you know, that business right now, that hard money lending business is so fragmented 
that I would have a very hard time answering that question. There are very few hard money lenders that work in more than three or four states, and there are very few who are really widely known. And like in any given area, if you if you really knew how to dig around, you could probably find 15 or 20 hard money lenders, and they all have different rules. I can tell you that some of the ones that I've talked about that have been in the talked to that have been in the business for a while, when they say they want skin in the game, they want your skin in the game. They don't want a private lender's skin in the game. They don't want uh, 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 the seller to be carrying back the rest of the mortgage balance because what that leaves them with is that uh, okay, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar a hundred thousand dollar purchase price. They're giving you sixty five thousand of that. The other 45 is a seller carry back. If you don't make your payments or you don't meet your balloon date, they are in a position of not being able to do the simple thing, which is a deed in lieu of foreclosure. They have to foreclose because if they don't foreclose and just take a deed in lieu, they're taking it subject to the seller second. And that's not a good position for them. So they're going to have to pay to foreclose. And uh, plus, you know, a lot of them feel like if you don't put $10,000 down, then by golly, you have no reason to perform. So uh, that is my impression, although you may very well find a hard money lender out there who'll do exactly what you want uh, if you can track them down. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to go to Fred on line one in California. Fred, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Hey, Fred. I've been listening for quite a while and listen to about two podcasts a day to catch up to you. So, <laughs> And um, there's a lot yeah, of them up there, aren't there? There are. <laughs> Um, I have a question um, about, I'm talking with an investor, uh, they have multiple properties and unfortunately they're upside down in quite a few and losing some to foreclosure. Um, I suggested uh, possibly subject to or short sale uh, with the properties and then she also mentioned that they're about three weeks or so from filing bankruptcy. Uh-huh. So I don't know if the subject to would maybe not be a great idea if I should just maybe pursue the short sale with them? Yeah, the subject to is way not a great idea if they're yeah. three weeks from bankruptcy. Uh, because as, as Penny mentioned, um, or as we were talking about with Penny, right. uh, when you take over someone else's loan and that person declares bankruptcy, most of the time the bank will, once the bankruptcy is cleared up, will proceed with a foreclosure because what bankruptcy means is I am no longer responsible for any of my debts. Okay, so what the bank is left with after the, after the they can't pursue they can't pursue anything during the bankruptcy itself. But what they're left with after the bankruptcy is all right. So we have this mortgage, we have this security against this property, but we no longer have anybody obligated to pay the note. So it can come back to. Yeah, she's not got it anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, yeah, they typically do foreclose. And you don't want to be in that position of having to deal with that, even though you've been making the payments and so on. Also, you know, Fred, it's been my experience that buying properties where the sellers are behind on their payments, subject to, usually doesn't numerically work. If you sit down and actually figure out, like, what's my profit going to be here? The fact that you have to pay six, eight, ten, fifteen thousand up front just to make the back payments current usually blows the whole deal. Gotcha. Be- because a lot of that is interest and penalties. Yep. So, and so back if, taxes and yeah, yeah. So if the loan balance was was two hundred and the house is really worth two eighty, you say, wow, it's a good deal. But by the time you've paid the extra $20,000 and all these other things, you know, oh, you know, it's not that great a deal after all. So yeah, uh, short sale is probably the way to go. And then, and then, and then guess what? The bankruptcy is going to affect the short sale too. Because if you get started in the negotiation process and then the bank receives word that the borrower has declared bankruptcy, which they will, uh, they will no longer speak to you. They are not allowed to, to, to make any attempt to collect debts during bankruptcy, and they consider this whole short sale negotiation process an attempt to collect a debt. So it all pretty much hangs up until the bankruptcy is discharged or dismissed, depending on whether it's successful or unsuccessful. So what I would do is whatever properties you want, I would put them under contract right now. I would start the short sale process right now, and I would say to the bank, you need to know that in three weeks, these people are declaring bankruptcy. Gotcha. So if we can, and, and have, the, have the seller write that in their hardship letter. Okay. Okay. Yep. And say, we have three weeks to decide whether this is going to happen or not. 
what do you want to do? And they, they, some of them, some of them, if there were smaller local banks, may be able to push it through in that period of time. Some of the larger banks may at least get started with the process, which is better than nothing. And then you may, this thing may lay there for eight months while the bankruptcy happens before you can get back to it. Gotcha. Uh, one quick one, if you got time. Any tricks or tips with um, banks lending to LLCs? I've been probably speaking to <laughs> half a dozen or two dozen. And no luck. Okay. So I, don't know. I, I can tell you why you're having no luck. You're talking entirely to banks who are selling their mortgages to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Gotcha. Yep. The problem is not the bank. The problem sure. is that Fannie and Freddie will not buy mortgages that were originated to entities of any kind. LLCs, corporations, land trusts, it doesn't matter. Um, you need to find some portfolio lenders. People, okay. people who are holding their, uh, sorry, banks that are holding their loans in-house. They are not selling the loans, and therefore they do not have to comply with the Fannie and Freddie rules. Is that something that they would tell you if they're a portfolio, if they resell? Ask them. Okay. Yeah, if, if the, first, the first question, okay, the first question out of your mouth should be, can I talk to somebody in the lending department? The second question should be, are you a portfolio lender or do you do any portfolio loans? And if they say no, say thank you for your time because you're going to get exactly the same <laughs> okay. answer that you got the other six times. It's, right. not, it's not the bank's rule. It's Fannie and Freddie's rule. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, and I'll tell you the way, the way people who are still Fannie Mae qualified, in other words, they have less than 10 loans, uh, 640-plus credit score, 20% down, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the way that they deal with this Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac problem is they buy and finance the property in their own name and then move it to the LLC. Right. Okay. Okay? Very good. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your call, Fred. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Got about 10 more minutes to get your question in at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Program support on WMKV comes from the Manor House Restaurant. Located on the campus of Maple Knoll Village, the Manor House offers lunch and dinner, as well as Sunday brunch and weekend buffets. Private party rooms are also available. Information and reservations at 513-782-4300. That's 513-782-4300. Let's check on traffic now. We have an accident northbound 71 at Pfeiffer on the right shoulder. Also an accident Carver at Reed Hartman, southbound Miami at Euclid, Duck Creek at Eastwood, and Race Street at West, West Fork. Race at West Fork. So it's Race Road. Uh, we have a weather forecast that calls for clear skies tonight with a low of 65 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny in the morning, but maybe a little rain possible late in the day or maybe a thunderstorm popping up tomorrow night. 50% chance of uh, late-day showers tomorrow, a high of 82. But uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Memorial Day all look great. Sunny skies, highs in the lower 80s, lows in the lower 60s. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. And don't let it go to waste. Send us a question right away at askvina at gmail.com or call it in to 877-772-9658. You can call about specific deals as Fred and Penny did, or you can call about more general questions or email about more general questions like what's the best use of my time as a wholesaler like Anthony did a little bit earlier. And uh, I'm here to answer them today. That's all we do on question and answer week. And, And sometimes... Sometimes I think we should like actually have a topic set up because, um, uh, you know, you get to the point where you got no more questions and you're just stretching and stretching and stretching like this. 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Don't forget to fan us up on our Facebook page at real life, <coughs> excuse me, real life real estate radio.com. Uh, when you do that, you will receive a weekly e-letter with an article about um, some topic that seems important in the real estate world. Uh, you will also get a weekly notification about what's going on on real life real estate investing, who the upcoming guests are, and so on. It's reallife, realestateradio.com. 
go there and you will join 1,736 members of our group there. If you're wondering why that number seems to have dropped, it's because we have a fan page and we have a group. The fan page has like almost 4,000 people. The group is 1,736 as of today. So um, be sure and be sure and do that and keep keep in touch with real life real estate. You can also, of course, post questions there as well. Uh, if one occurs to you in the middle of the week and you have uh, no way of actually getting it to us because it's the middle of the week, it's not Wednesday, you can post them there on the real life real estate fan page. Okay, just getting a question in here from John in Springfield, Ohio. He says, you have now mentioned subject twos twice on this program. Can you please tell me what one is? <laughs> uh, great question, John. Thanks for that. Um, the the uh, Subject two is, is real estate investor jargon. It's short for buying a property subject to the existing financing. And all it means is when you buy a property and you don't pay off the existing mortgage, but instead you simply take the deed, get the payment book and make the payments on the existing mortgage uh, until such time as you refinance or sell it or the mortgage is paid off. Um, it's a fairly common uh, strategy uh, for uh, owner financing. You know, there's a lot of owners that you go to and, and the property just they just owe more than you're really willing to pay if you have to put your own cash into the purchase and the rehab but maybe they've got a good loan you know the loan is a is a 30 year fixed rate at 5 and a half percent interest and boy you you take that loan any day right john if someone offered you a 30 year fixed rate 5 and a half percent loan especially with no qualifying you'd be all over that taking over that loan and thus not having to go get your own financing and pay the the costs and so on uh, usually raises the amount that you can pay someone for their house. So it's a it's a pretty common way for sellers to, quote, finance a property. In that case, of course, they are not, in fact, financing the property. The, their, their bank is financing the property uh, through the through the subject, too. And I know that you are th your next question is going to be as soon as I hit send receive again, uh, you're going to send me a question saying, uh, don't don't bank mortgages have due on sale clauses and won't the bank call the loan due if you do this? And the answer is yes, mortgages have due on sale clauses. Yes, the bank could call the loan due if they find out what happened. And um, they absolutely will call the loan due if you miss a single payment because they will find out what happened if you do that. Uh, the reality in today's world, though, is that banks do not seem to be terribly interested in calling good paying loans due. If you're making the payment, even if it's somebody else's loan, they just really don't seem interested in enforcing that due on sale clause. And the due on sale clause doesn't say it has to be. The due on sale clause doesn't say it has to be called. It says that it could be called. Okay, so just just to be clear on that, I know that that's going to be your next question. Okay, um, got another question here from uh, via email at askvina at gmail.com. This is from uh, David L., uh, who appears to be from someplace in Georgia. It just says David LGA, so I'm going to assume that is someplace in Georgia. He says, I can't get onto your fan page because it says you have too many friends. Okay, uh, you're mixing it up, Dave. If you look if you look up my name, you will find my personal page. And yes, Facebook seems to be the opinion that no one in the world needs more than 5,000 friends. And I have 5,000 friends. So if you friend request me, eventually someone will drop off and we can get you on there. But the fan page, which is realliferealestateradio.com, there's no limit to the number of fans you can have, as is witnessed by the fan page for Bacon which has like 900,000 right now. Uh, you're just looking at the wrong place, Dave. And and in any case, if you became, if you if you friended me, uh, you wouldn't get that stuff that I just talked about, like the articles that are uh, sent out every week about real estate investing. Speaking of which, uh, not tomorrow, but next Thursday at the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting, we have a very special guest uh, coming all the way from Florida to 
come and speak to the association. His name is Christopher McClatchy, and he's got a very interesting topic. It is called Quick Flip for the Long Term. What he's going to discuss is how to meld your strategies together so that not only are you able to do strategies that allow you to make quick cash now, but also build your long-term rental portfolio, which is very, very important. And unfortunately, we often lose sight of that. Probably 80% of the questions about specific strategies here on Real Life Real Estate are about wholesaling which is a good strategy and it can make you a lot of cash, but it doesn't build long-term wealth the way something like rental properties do. So uh, Chris McClatchy will be talking about that at next week's RIA meeting. The early meeting is Jim Shapiro on property management. Uh, if you heard him last week on Real Life Real Estate, uh, it is, uh, you know, you know, he really knows his stuff. So uh, that meeting starts at six o'clock for the early meeting, 730 for the main meeting. Again, it is a week from tomorrow, not tomorrow. It is June 3rd. All are welcome to that as usual, and you can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. Um, okay, it looks like we got one more question that just came in. Um, this one is from John, who lives in, this can't possibly say Paris. Uh, he lives, uh, Paris, Texas. Okay. <laughs> wow, I was going to get really excited. Um John, who lives in Paris, Texas, says, can you please explain the SAFE Act and what it is going to mean to all of us? Yeah, John, that had to be the last question of the day was to explain a sweeping piece of federal legislation and all of the things that could happen to us as a result. Uh, We actually did do a little bit about this on a program a few weeks ago. For those of you who didn't hear that program, it is on iTunes. Um, Basically, the SAFE Act is a is a national what is from our point of view. All right, because it's like I don't know, 2,000 pages long. What it is from our point of view is it is a national mortgage licensing program that says that if you do any kind of deal that offers financing to someone, and of course that would mean you selling a property you own on land contract, that you might have to have a mortgage originator's license. There are folks busily working on trying to get that language taken out, and we're sort of monitoring it. And if anything new comes around, we will definitely tell you here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. So just sit tight until you hear about that. All right. Thank you to all of our callers and emailers for another great question and answer week. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Well, the jury has the case in the Ryan Widmer murder retrial. Good evening, I'm Trisha Mackey. And I'm Dan Carroll. Let's get right to Fox 19's Brad Underwood, who's been covering the trial for us from start to finish, and he's in Lebanon with the latest. Brad? Well, Dan, it's been four hours now since the jury 